1: good evening and welcome to things worth considering uh we are a weekly talk show and we like to introduce you to interesting people give you ideas to ponder ideas to disagree with and hopefully things worth considering uh, i'm your host Gord Riddell, and i am here with my co-host alexia Georgiosis. she is a doctor of naturopathic medicine hello alexia hello cord glad you're here thank uh, you we are live just so that you know if you wish to join our conversation with our guest, who I'll introduce in a moment. Uh, It's a toll-free number anywhere in North America, 888-346-9141. If you happen to be outside of the North America area, internationally, 001-480-553-5760. And feel free to give us a call and pop in on our conversation. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to a lovely lady, uh, Brenda Pettigrew. Uh, she is originally from Newfoundland, Labrador. She's a sister of Mercy and holds a PhD with a specialty in transformative learning. Um, I love that. Brenda is an international facilitator, and she is actually a trainer of facilitators. Uh, she offers spiritual mentoring using a variety of traditions and especially favors compassion-focused therapy. Um the uh, Brenda is she's also published author of four poetry books and a collection of essays on encountering the natural world called Finding the Line, as well as Original Fire The Hidden Heart of Religious Women. And that book formed uh, or developed into her her doctoral research. Uh, Brenda lives today in Algonquin Highlands in the near north of Halliburton, right around the corner from my brother i uh, on a small acreage of forest and waterways. She conducts her workshops, um, including writing, contemplation with nature, and silence retreats. Brenda guides any group of uh, any nature who requires decision-making, conflict resolution, uh, um, and uh, blah, blah, or enhancing relationships in the workplace. She facilitates and mentors personal transformation. I love this. No shift is too small, and every decision contributes either to to a conscious way of life or an unconscious one. Thus we become the part of either the great dying or the great tur- turning. Welcome, Brenda.
2: Thank you, what a lovely introduction. Thank you, you have so much. You a lot much. to
1: introduce. I mean, that is so edited down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's because I'm old. I'm in my middle
3: seventies <laughs> nearly, so I've done all that Oh, now. you're
1: not old, you're yes, not old.
3: <laughs> well, you're very, very accomplished, extremely accomplished. Extremely accomplished. Thank you. Thank you. Yes.
1: You live in such a beautiful part of the, the country. Like, it's just, I love it up in there, Alguanquan, just so serene. Uh, it's, it really is a gorgeous, gorgeous area. Yes. Um, I, I wanted to, um, you know, the, this episode is called Leading with the Heart. Hmm. And uh, so, you know, from, from what I've, I've read of the work that you're doing in, in your work, um, what does that mean for you and your work of leading with the heart?
2: I actually am offering several workshops in that topic this year, uh, mostly on Zoom. I wasn't in Zoom.
1: Mostly on Zoom, I know. Yeah. Um,
2: yes. I came upon that shift from mind to heart or to, from head to heart uh, in the writing of a man called Robert Sardello okay. about 10, 12 years ago. And I was so taken with this shift that I contacted Robert and have been I'm still his student. He's about really? four years older than, than I. Yes, I'm still in touch with him. But his whole, uh, his whole offering to the world in many books, he was a professor at the University of Dallas. That was his career. Okay. And um, his whole offering is that much of the um, busyness and the the whole uh, overwork dynamic and all of that is because we we operate mainly from the head, mainly uh, from the mind.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so what he did was his research and then developed practices uh, of an actual meditation exercise that allows you to switch from your mind first to your throat, then to your heart and, and back and forth as a practice so that you distinguish those. And then, then there's a longer teaching in, what is it to dwell in the heart? To be present from the heart, not from the head. And so he has met, written many variations of this over the years, and I have taught it, I when I was so taken with it, because as you read from my description, I spent a lot of years in my head, right? So- Well, yeah. Studying and all of that. So, I I was I guess I'm I'm 74 now. I guess I it was around the time I was 58, 59, 60 that area that I began to say, there's something else. There's something deeper than just all of this intellectual work. And uh, so I began. I contacted him. I tracked him down and talked to him and he it, he introduced me he's been my kind of my personal guide and teacher ever since and so he i learned from him what it is to shift from the mind to the heart and i was a great you know practitioner of meditation with the half hour or the hour and you know you, you did all that but meditation is wonderful but it's still in the head
1: it's still in yeah. the head yeah. you're
2: still you're still thinking you, you're directing your thoughts Robert taught me how to let that be and move into the heart. And yeah. and to do it, you know, my, my practice was a lot of silence and closing of eyes when meditating. And he said to me, open your eyes. Don't close your eyes because you need to practice when you're present in the real world mm-hmm. and not be setting aside time because when you set aside time, you do it and then you come back to what you always do right so so all of that teaching and practice is what I've been engaged in and teaching myself um, for the last four or five years he he, he started to encourage me to okay now you're ready go go teach it now offer workshops in it that kind of thing and that's what I've been doing and what I find is the more I do it the more people want it you Mm -hmm. know they'll say oh what's that and and oh, I, I, I'd i like to learn that. So that's, that's what I'm mainly doing now.
3: Well, and Brenda, it's such a powerful, um, I think experience around being able to drop into the heart. I think I have a couple of questions, but one of them is in terms of not negating the mind and not negating the oh, intellect. Oh. But I think that many people and myself included, are very challenged to recognize how to show up when things are difficult yeah from absolutely. the heart and and it's it's we know it's loaded with so many perceptions and interpretations yeah. and i think it's it is really needed to open our eyes and actually be here especially now in this pandemic instead of yes. trying to run away but yes. what are what are something that Maybe some insight or a sense of what was different for you around being able to drop into the heart, as you're describing, compared to your extensive experience with with being a, as a Sister of Mercy.
2: Yes, well, our our orders, all the religious orders, I think, originally started from the heart, back two centuries ago,
0: right.
2: when when the founders all started these groups of women. To serve the poor, to, to build hospitals for the sick, to, you know, it, it all started out of compassion mm. and, and then got entangled, you know, with all the uh, college and university degrees and then teaching uh, at the universities. And then in the United States, I think there's 40, 47 whole universities that are operated by the Sisters of Mercy. You know, wow. so, that, so like education became like a God to us. And it was really, really, um, uh, you know, so primary that even though we, we kept to our schedules of prayers and meditation and whatever form we were doing, it was that uh, I think we lost that original charism, we call it, which was to be more present in the heart. Because from the heart, you can really see people's lives and dilemmas, and you're not always, you know, saying, oh, well, I have to teach this course and I have to teach them this. And it, it's more about what, how am I present to, to the person's reality? What right. do, and presence often means more than wor- words to them. You know, Absolutely. like they recognize when you're present.
1: I think mm-hmm. it's incredibly healing have someone be very present to us. Yes. Like to hear our yes. narrative and our story in yeah. just that presence without that interruption. And to me, that's like really having presence and coming from the heart. It's just that's it. that space.
2: That's a really good way to say it, Gord. And um, uh, sometimes I've been with people who are so overwhelmed with their own lives that my... Pr- my deliberate focusing on my own heart to be present with them opens them up. And I don't say anything for half an hour. I'm just like listening, opening, intending those things. And it really it really gives them a chance. I don't think there's any other place in our culture, our society at all, where that kind of presence and listening can be so uh, focused and, and deliberate. So, and it's
1: unfortunate, because yeah, we would
2: all benefit from this.
1: Benefit from it enormously. It's just
2: kind of, I know, it's just a coming into the culture. Robert's work, he's 78 now, and he's hes starting to slow down. But he has a tremendous number of books, but he also has a tremendous number of followers. So once a month, I meet on a Zoom call with at least 50 or 60 people in the United States mainly who are, who are practicing his work and his, his intentions. And, and we, and we practice with him. He's always on too. Mm -hmm. He's the most humble person Mm -hmm. you could ever imagine. Like he, Mm -hmm. he doesn't, you know, he, Oh, he'll say in the middle of something, Oh, the cat just needs to go out. Sorry. I'm going to go and let the cat out now. Right. Right. You know, so he, he really, he really lives that this is a practice to be, woven into our ordinary lives Mm -hmm. and that's really
3: right that's really I really love that and and I know a lot of your work you you work with facilitators and people across all sorts of various faiths and religions Mm -hmm. and I am curious if you were ever met with some difficulty around Christianity or Catholicism in particular does that ever oh, come up? Oh, <laughs>
2: Catholicism. Yes. Oh, yes, especially Catholicism, since you know all the bad publicity about the priests, and uh, and sometimes the nuns too, but not as much. But it's um, I'm often questioned about that, especially as I work with other denominations, mm-hmm. and and also oh, I've worked with Jewish people, I've worked with Hindu and Buddhist people. Uh, it's the common ground. Of all of us, is the heart. Yes. And for me, yes. it was a revelation that, as I began to work with that theme, um, that each of the of those religions found their own tradition related to the heart. So it it kind of renewed things for them, even for Buddhists, you know, who I oh, I just don't oh, think gee. of in terms of the heart, but. It was like it called out something in everyone who was who was interested in listening and engaging me to go and uh and see religious definitions in this way of teaching don't matter really. Right. It's, right. It, the heart is what we ha- we all have in common. Right. And God knows our our um our world kind of needs it now
3: in no, a way absolutely. that
2: we don't yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm working about. really a lot now. Yeah.
1: What one of my, my ways of describing is, is that, you know, God made us this incredible mansion to live in. And at the very top of the stairs, mm-hmm. there's this tiny little room, and that's where we go and we hide out. We hide out there in that little yeah, room at right. the top, our brain. And meanwhile, you know, we have this incredible yeah. mansion, but we're afraid to even walk down the stairs you know, uh, to come to the center, which of course being the heart. But, you know, it's kind of like when one lands in our body, when we land in the heart, it's it's a whole new experience.
2: It's a whole new experience. And the other place that really, you can really experience it in your own body is when you go out into the forest. And this is one of the reasons we live here, Mm -hmm. because I go out into the trees and the great big stones almost every day. And when you when you approach them from the heart and not thinking oh this is a pine tree oh this has five needles no none of that but when you're just present to them they give something back to you you can actually feel it you can feel the exchange of energy yeah yeah so it's a it's a wonderful it's been kind of the ground of being for me for the last several years
3: and and your work, um, in terms of what you're sort of touching on, I think, a, an area of sort of just changing semantics, that you know, in, whether it's shamanism or the Druids or the pagans, that right. there was this that's relationship with nature, that was that it wasn't yes. separate from God. It wasn't separate but, from I, consciousness. That's exactly true. Yes. But in Catholicism, and it, and, it seemed that that was separated.
2: Oh yes. Well, it wasn't until about the 4th century when the the Roman emperor Constantine, only in the 4th century. Wow. Um, wow. he was the one who once once the Romans took over the world kind of thing. He he did all the separation and that was the time up you know imagine 4 centuries of Christians who had no churches. Yeah, exactly. who just gathered in their homes and, you know, celebrated their knowledge and their being together. And it was community. needed to to
1: save his wife's life because she exactly. was a Christian, which was illegal.
2: Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes.
1: It's such a great story. All
2: those st- it's a great story, and it's a true story. And because he was the emperor, it affected history for the rest of the, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. uh, up to yeah. our time. It's kind of like the emergence, the emergence of the ego came out because then it became about power and about control yeah, and about misogyny. Uh, yes. you know, and you see all of that begins to evolve out of their position. You know, it's, uh, yes. it's absolutely crazy when you when you look at it. But it is the ego, which of course then separates us from the heart. And I have to separate from us right now because we need to go to a commercial. We'll be back in two minutes. I am here with Brenda Pettigrew and Alexia Georgiousis. Be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Alexia Georgusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering.
1: Hi, we're here uh, with uh, Brenda Pettigrew, and uh, we're talking about uh, her amazing career and her interest in what I'm hearing is all the nature stuff. Uh, which is what I love. And uh, even though I'm in the middle of downtown Toronto, it always saddens me to go for a walk with someone. And I'm just seeing all these plants and flowers and trees. And I'm like, oh my God, look at that flower. Oh yeah. And then they just keep on talking. You know, it's like, so, you know, we're surrounded by such beauty. And you're talking about, you know, not just the beauty, but actually allowing nature to be a teacher, moving past yes. sort of that whole idea of. You know, having to have another human as a teacher, but what, what nature can actually teach us in our own silence when we're coming from the heart.
2: And that's part, that's a very important aspect of heart presence practice because it's not only with people, it's, it's with the whole of the universe, really. Right. And at night, one of my practices is um, it's getting light after supper now, I, and I like to go out in the dark. And in the winter I'm out I'm outside by myself, six o'clock, six thirty in the evening, and the stars are just mm-hmm. you know, you just can't have words. And then I wander among the trees and I and I can actually feel their presence because I'm doing heart presence practice, see, to mm-hmm. allow me to be receptive. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about, oh, this is a pine tree and oh look at this, this is twisted now and this. None of those thoughts. It's just that that heart presence, and like you said, Gord, I think the trees pick it up and they give you back something. You know, Absolutely, you can, there's there's an exchange that goes on when you're coming from the heart in that kind of immediate presence.
3: Sorry, Gord, Sorry?
2: you're, de-
1: you're Oh no, I was just, I was just so recharging.
2: <laughs> yes, we're we're all we're getting the recharging from nature which is where we were meant to get it
1: Mm.
2: from the beginning you know and and we have as as cultures we have moved out of that into cities and uh, I mean I lived in a city all my life even in St. John I was born in St. John's and grew up in the city and lived in Toronto for you know five years and then received a magical invitation I would never have known this myself from a woman named marge dennis she died two years ago and she began and she lived in huntsville and she had a huge house in huntsville uh, and uh, she began she got her doctoral degree from oise and she was the one who specialized in process facilitation okay and i met her in a piece of work i was doing and she said oh come on up Oh, you're coming on sabbatical to Toronto. Oh, come up, come up and see my house. And, and then from there, my dear, she hired me. She said, you're a natural. And it was, it was through her that I got all of these invitations to go to all these countries to work. Wow. And, uh, and so then it, then I, I trained, I started my own groups and trained a lot of people in that, in that mode. And um, it, you know, it just went on from there. So it. I was thinking only today that so many times it's unplanned meetings yes. or you know a surprise out of the blue. I, I didn't know who this woman was. I you know, and then all of a sudden we had a conversation in a workshop, and oh, come up and see you know. So
0: <laughs> it was, synchronicity. Uh, and so I
2: moved synchronicity. I moved there from Newfoundland. Actually, I did a sabbatical year in Toronto, and then I moved up to Huntsville. And for many years, for five years, I was traveling three three times a week. And mm-hmm. after five years, I said, oh, my God, I have to move closer to the airport. <laughs> and that's how I came to be in Etobicoke. Okay. And, uh, and I was traveling two or three times a week then to different places. Places and
3: countries. So, Brenda, speaking of just in terms of a little bit of your history, how did you and when did you decide to become a Sister of Mercy? How? What was that? Process? I went.
2: I went. To, okay. I went to school to them in St. John's. Started. I started knowing them when I was six, and um, when I was in the last year of high school. I just loved how these women interacted with us as students encouraged us played you know they were funny they were they just they just had a spirit of course they were all young then you know there's none of them now everybody's old now cuz cuz that form of life is now is now transforming it's dying out and mm-hmm. there'll be another one coming but we'll never see it likely but I loved their their spirit of fun. Like we'd roller, they'd say, oh, bring your roller skates. We'll roller skate in the gym after school. And you know, the, it was a social life as well as an educational life, but they were very fixed on education. And uh, that's how I, I, I just felt, oh my God, that I belong with these women. I love what they do and they get all the education in the world. And here's the kicker for me, every summer, they would, they would go to universities in the United States for summer school. Mm. And I'd be like, what? You went to Texas? The University of Texas? Yes, I'm going to go there for four summers now to finish my degree. And they went all over, and you had a choice as to where you went. And, mm. and the leaders of those women in my growing up always had this sense that Go leave where you are and go and have a wider experience. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was very young, even as a novice, and the superior general at the time that was her title at that time uh, we were about just going to finish our bachelor's degree. I did a BA and a BED at Memorial University. And she called us all and she said, Now, my darlings, we were all like 20, right, draped in the habit. And she said, don't think once you graduate with your BA, BED from Memorial, I really want you to consider not doing your master's at Memorial. I We want you to get wider experience. So now do some research, choose a school anywhere in the United States, and start going there in summers to get your master's. Because she said you need to broaden your horizons. Mm. And see, that was the vision, right? Mm. I'm like,
3: Wow. So you saw this so opportunity big. to, because, you know, as we know, a lot of people have had uh, not a great experience with going to school with Catholic nuns. And, and, and I, 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 you know I, know, I know you know this, I know you know this very deeply. And, and f- for you, I'm, I am curious, how do, you, how do you make peace with, especially the, the abuse that happened, the child abuse around the children, the, with the priests, how, how did you make peace with that? Or how uh, have you? And uh, I, I don't know if you can. I uh,
2: No, I, I've not made peace with that. I You know, I don't think that's something you want to make peace with. Um, True. As yes. I told you yes. earlier, I was working at the Archdiocese when it happened. And I, I just got out of there. That's when I came to Toronto to do a sabbatical year. It was to get away from that for a while and let it settle and then... What I decided is that that is a form of church, and that dependence on priests and so that I cannot, I cannot be part of. That right. I cannot. Now I go. I don't go to mass regularly now, but when I'm working with groups, I you know attend with them, and um, but it just took the whole the whole Zoom out of out of that form of spirituality, mm-hmm. and it um, I knew, see, I knew all the priests personally, all of them, wow. were arrested,
1: I say it, for you. I
2: think it registered a shock in my system that I really never got over, like, yep. it changed my whole view of the church, yep. uh, but it, it did something else to me, but now, at this age, I look back and say, well, this was the event, the traumatic event, that opened me to the larger world and to the mm. many forms of spirituality that are all just as authentic as right. the Catholic spirituality. You know, so
1: and hopefully it will change the church uh, slowly.
2: But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think women are changing the church quite they slowly, are. but but sticking in there.
1: Women are yeah, the, one of the nuns women I are I the wear, backbone. Women are the backbone yes. of, that, of the church. You know, I, I'm sorry, the men might be out front doing the mass. It's the women that support them behind the scenes, whether it's teaching, nursing, or keeping them looking good and fed. You know, it's really women. <laughs> women are the all of the church. You know, that's what I think anyways.
2: Well, I, I, I mean, I do have hope for um, Pope Francis. He's just appointed. I have, well, two things. He's just appointed a committee of of studying uh, the teachings of the church that need to be spread now and over half of that committee are women. Great. And I know two or three of them personally. And mm. I know their their vision. Now, that said, only last week he came out with a statement that the catholic church cannot bless same-sex marriages and so really? I, myself yes so well, I see the the, the this congregation
1: is the congregation said it he had said about it yes. being blessed they contradicted him yes and now there's they all this they
2: contradicted him
1: yes yeah. yeah he said they could be blessed and they said <laughs> no they can't right? in yes. terms of marriage and
2: that was yeah. what got, oh he is really fierce cuz he has said this before um to make this acceptable in the catholic church but it's all the cardinals and the people around him that oppose it. And I see him wearing down, like the last picture of I, I, I saw knows. him on TV. Oh, I said, oh, my God, he's really getting old and, and bent. And no wonder. I mean, he has to fight with these cardinals and bishops every day. Because he, he would have the church like the widest, most welcoming group in the world. But he, he has this group that works against him.
1: Absolutely.
2: so anyway, that said, from last week, um, we um, a bunch of us, uh, leaders of religious communities in Canada, sisters of St Joseph and myself and and several others, uh, one of them wrote a statement um, saying that we oppose we oppose uh, that ruling and we just want it registered that you know that we have to. It's no good lamenting it. You just had to do something about it. It mightn't, it mightn't bring about anything. But to register that, that uh, uh, position on it somewhere official is really important to us as a group. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I think, though, you're making a really we important statement sure. is, is that most more people spend time lamenting if we put the same amount into doing something about it, even if it's just writing a letter. But yes, we're very passive right. that way. We're very passive. Canadians are very passive that way.
3: Well, but I also I think there's a part here, too, that, I mean, is that sense of clinging to the past. And when you're, you know, in yes. terms of the Pope yes. wanting to go forward and and even embracing just everyone embracing that, and forget about even being a, a citizen of a particular country. Like, what about just citizens of the world? But there's resistance yes, a lot of people right. do not want that right yes
1: that's yeah right. And, leave, and, leave and, the white know. guys and, and you
3: know the white guys are still in charge
1: the old white guys just like they were talking about in, in the US of who's who's in charge of the Senate you know is the old white guys the same things was running the church you know until that that you know those fists are let go of is it you know other people have a place in there uh, of all of yes. all ilks and shades and you know, sexualities and genders and, like, everything.
3: Well, and, and, yes. and Brenda, you well, know, I mean, I also wanted to ask you about your, um, the book that you wrote that ended up sort of being part of your doctoral research, and it was Original Fire, The Hidden Heart of Religious Women. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: That was a, a very wonderful and very controversial project, and, um, well, I wanted to get, what I wanted to, to ask these women was, how how do they do their every day? Like, what does it mean to them to be a religious sister now? And all of this, you know, th- these kinds of questions. I had all kinds of questions. And they really told their truth. And at the beginning, I said to them, uh, now, do you want to ha- say this under a pseudonym? Oh, no, no, I'm going to say what I want. Then I had to interview each one, 10 of them for 2 hours each and then i had to put each interview into two pages that's all i had and and then give them back to the people who said them and when i did they to a person they said i need a pseudonym mm. because they were so honest and so open about what they saw and believed and they know you know a lot of the other nuns wouldn't support even some of the things they said, mm. so uh, I I made sure to interview ten from um, Canada and the United States, and as and uh, from as wide a variety of, of orders as I got, and and there was I could have done twenty, but it um, it became very controversial because the women really spoke from their hearts, and and did not not one of them had the party line in those interviews and um, then when it was finished when the, the thesis was finished and I had my defense one of the people on my committee for the defense was a priest from Ireland who had, is a very famous priest in our circles he has oh, 27 books published, his name is Diarmuid O'Murku and once I finished and it was all accepted and yes, I graduated and all of that so Diarmu came after me and he said, now, Brenda, you had to put that book into doctoral language and the ordinary person does not know doctoral language. So now I really am encouraging you to turn it into a book that ordinary people can read, at least, you know, who are interested. And so one of the things I had to do in taking out all that language and stuff was to kind of rewrite it in, in ordinary. And um, so I decided to interview 10 ordinary women, not Catholics, to read those stories that the nuns had laid out and get their reaction to it. And that turned out to be the heart of Original Fire. Wow. Because these mm-hmm. women, yeah, these women all said to a person, I can't believe that the, they're nuns. They said, I have the stereotype of nuns and yeah. they're, they could be me. I could be saying this. So that was the wonderful coming together in the heart of that book, Original Fire, wow. which is still That's selling great. on Amazon. Oh,
1: really, beautiful. Really. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, we need yeah. to break here yeah. uh, for a commercial. So okay. we will be back in two minutes with Dr. Brenda Pettigrew.
3: America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa,
1: play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn.
0: Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories, it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Alexia Georgusitz. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hello, and welcome back. Um, we would love to hear from you
1: as well. Uh, we have a open line here. It is toll-free anywhere in North America. The number is 888-346-9141. We welcome your call. If you would like to speak with Brenda or with Alexia or even with me, we're all here. Uh, Feel free to call us and uh, welcome back. Uh, We're here with Brenda Pettigrew, uh, uh, Dr. Pettigrew. You have lots of of, uh, published work as well as lots of seminar work. The, the one I, I quoted just a little bit earlier on, um, you know, is that no shift is too small, you know, and I thought that's so, that's so powerful because, you know, being in a, in a similar field of working with people wanting to change and, and they're looking for the big bang, you know, it's got to be like so big that they'll, you know, everything's going to shift and yet that's not how it works, You know, as we change, it's like these little subtle things along the way. It's where the awareness, I think, has to come from, to see the little, you know, shifts. And I I think that we get hung up on that. Yeah.
2: Well, I think what you're reminding me of is to circle back to something we said in an earlier conversation, and that's the difference between meditation and contemplation or heart practice. Mm-hmm. Because the little shifts, like if we're meditating, it's, it's really good for our minds. The discipline of it is good for the mind. When you when you shift down to the heart, you're present or you feel presence in a different way, and it's it, it's it's fuller than the mind oh, is yeah, because the yeah. mind is just goes off on its own all the time, and and half the time of meditation is spent trying to bring it back, you know focus on one thing and that so uh, but the heart the quality of presence of the heart is more of the whole person and so you know doing that and I'm being present to you now and I'm not think I'm not thinking do you know what I mean I'm exactly I'm I'm speaking from the heart and which is allowing I'm not thinking what am I going to say next it's allowing to flow what is coming out and it's a different, it's a very different feeling and a different kind of presence. And it's to me, because so many people are practicing this now from from Robert's teaching, it, it's the world itself beginning to balance itself. Hmm. It's the world itself beginning to balance itself through many of us who are, pra- whoever is attracted to doing this. It's, it's part of the big shift We're in a huge shift, a historical shift, uh, something that probably won't finish in in the lifetime of any of us here, Mm -hmm. but we are part of the beginning of the shift. And so that, I think that's part of what heart presence practice is, that we're we're kind of opening to a different realm um, than we have been. Our whole culture is built on the mind. You know, the degrees and the reading and the, all of that stuff. Yep. But this presence is, is, a, is an energy. I need to say it's an energy. Mm-hmm. And when we were talking earlier about, you know, uh, being with people from this place or being with trees or even being with the cat. like the, It's like there's a there's some energy coming back to you. It's not right. just you. It's not just you giving it, you're giving and receiving. That's what real presence is.
3: Right. right. And that a, be I don't done. know if that
2: answers your question. And
3: I, and I think that it's a real uh, sort of reciprocity, but an awareness that we are not separate. And, yes, yes. and I, think the, I think the younger generations also are starting to see this very differently around dropping away from the power of the intellect And the sense that, oh, that's, you know, that's what value is or that's where the value is, because it's been Mm -hmm. so out of proportion for many, many, many years that that now I think a lot of younger people are saying, no, don't go to university, you know, connect with yourself and live and create. And I think the pandemic also is is making, you know, contributing to this. Right. It's not it's not uh, I don't think there's any coincidence personally.
2: No, no, th- no. That's right. I totally agree. It's part of the unfolding. I call it. It's, you know, the universe never stops uh, um, unfolding. It's just that sometimes it speeds up, and I think we're in a time of the speeding up now. And it's, it's interesting. I, I <laughs> yeah, that's right. I give I give these <laughs> I give these workshops and teachings at two retreat centers. One is at Loretto Mary Home in Keswick. And the other is at Grail Springs Retreat Center in Bancroft, and I give these teachings in you know short workshops, and and uh, and, and people come uh, especially at Mary Home because it's just in at the top of Lake Simcoe. So many of the people who come, but same at the Grail, from Toronto and cities, you know, they drive from Ottawa, whatever, and they just collapse. They're so tired. Everybody is so tired when they come to these places mm-hmm. because they can let down, yep. and and then they're eager. They're uh, increasingly every year I see this increasing hunger for this kind of a teaching that they can take home and practice. Right. That you know, you don't have to read a book. You don't have to read a book. You don't have to, you know, set aside time. Anything no. like that. This is part of this is part of our life yes and and it changes yes. the quality of your life so oh, yeah. that's that's what has really moved me along with it and i'm i'm always astounded by the people who come you know it's uh, it's it's just very inspiring to me i'm very enthusiastic about these workshops yeah
3: yeah which no, i'll give right and it's and it's you really needed over zoom. sorry gord
1: sorry i was just going to say you really can connect over zoom that energy doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be in person. Um, on, you know, on Friday nights, I do this energy healing circle. And whoever comes, comes. Mm. It's is a drop in, no charge. Uh, and it's on Zoom. And people are like, oh, well, you can't really connect to energy. And I'm like, wow, well, some of us sure are. You know, you could just feel it build yes. as we, we go through, you know, some yes. of the healing healing work and so on. It's only 45 minutes long. It's just a way of connecting you know, at the end of the week, mm. and let it go. And but I could really feel it through Zoom, like I, mm-hmm. whether of it's course. electronic yes. or yeah. I mean, I'd love to be in the forest, but that's not allowed right now. So Zoom is wonderful.
3: Well, and and Brenda, going back to your uh, point around how people come to the workshops and they are so exhausted and they're tired. And I I believe, and what I see also in my work is that. We, we operate in our heads so much and it's exhausting. And then when you yes. pause, it's like, oh, oh yes. my God, like what just happened? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so one of the things I just wanted to mention that also what Gord was saying was that another, another thing that's very powerful statement is that you said we either become part of the great dying or the great turning. Mm-hmm. And yes. Yes. can you speak about that? Well, this is the choice
2: that we've been leading to in this whole conversation. And and you started it, Alexia, you know, when you said people are so exhausted, they don't know how to stop. You know, they don't, they keep going because most of them, I find, don't know what else to do, you know. And, and so coming to the retreat centers, there's this giant letdown. And so what I really i i will talk about the background and all of this stuff but what i really love to do is give people the way to do it so you go home and you practice yourself 3 minutes a day 5 minutes yeah. a day a couple of times and eventually that's enough to kind of shift the source of energy and cuz a lot of times the same people come back to the workshops because they want more and they want to deepen what they've practiced.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's all about it's all about practice. It's all about really saying this is what I want to live from from now right. on and I'm, I have to learn right. it. It doesn't happen quickly.
3: So the dying when you consider the great dying or the great turning mm-hmm. do you, are you referring to the dying as if the sense of well, I won't put words in your mouth. You, you tell tell us.
2: Well, to me, the Great Dying is is the big picture first of all. It's the big picture of the the rising awareness of how we're killing the environment. It's the awareness of that. More and more people come to that. It and the Great Dying is the uselessness of so many. Um, big uh, plans now and the the arguments and the fighting and all that's lost in in the conflicts between different positions. I look at our own government, our own Mm -hmm. Canadian government. I I said to Joan last week, it's okay, so what is the point of having oppositional parties? You know, what's (laughs) the point? Yes. Time and energy and money is wasted in just going against the others. It, yep. it really does not come down to the Just people. Just to hear
1: their own hot air.
2: That's right. Yeah. And I, I have a, a very close friend in uh, Holland, and their government is totally different. <laughs> and even though they they have 15 political parties, 15 wow. <laughs> with different viewpoints, but their goal is to find a way for all of them to work together for the sake of the people. The first yeah. time I heard that, I couldn't believe we're it.
1: We're so oppositional. So,
2: yeah, it's, it's and oppositional. And the clock right now, unfortunately,
1: the done. clock is forcing us into an oppositional position oh. because <laughs> <Okay. Sorry. laughs> I have to say we're no. running out of time. We've run out of time, Brenda. Thank you for being here. I will. We'll just you know say goodnight to everybody, and you and I will just carry on for the rest of the day. Yeah, uh, it's great talking with you. <laughs> Thanks, and we hope Thanks we will have you uh uh, back again. If you'd like to be in touch with us, uh, you can get in touch with us at info at spiritgrows.ca or you can go to transformationalarts.ca and uh, you can see who's coming up on our shows in the future. Uh, so this is Gordon Al and Alexia Georgiusis at Things Worth Considering. We want you to have a great and healthy week and we will meet you back here next Thursday at 8 o'clock. Good night, a great everyone. great week. Good night.
0: you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.